Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Friday, July 31st, and this is your FT News Briefing. There were blowout earnings for four big tech groups a day after they told the U.S. Congress they're not too big. Meanwhile, U.S. GDP suffers its worst quarterly contraction since the Second World War. But that isn't stopping companies from buying back their stock. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Historic profits after the bell yesterday for four of the biggest names in tech. Apple, Amazon, Facebook, and Google parent Alphabet. All reported that their quarterly earnings benefited from the pandemic. After all, people need new computers to work from home, and they have the time to serve Facebook. But just a day earlier, on Wednesday, the chief executives of these same companies lined up in a virtual hearing before Congress, and they made the case that they aren't that big and that they don't unfairly hurt or unfairly buy competitors. Our West Coast editor, Richard Waters, is back to talk about these conflicting messages. Hi, Richard. Hey, hi. So, Richard, which is it? Are are these companies appropriately sized? Are they too big? How can it be both? Do you know, on a day when we've just seen four companies add $230 billion of stock market value between them, I mean, that's what's happened on the back of these earnings. It seems absolutely incredible that they've got the nerve to uh, stand up before politicians, as you say, and say, you know, we face a lot of competition. Life is tough out there. It's not easy for us during this pandemic either. And clearly what's happening in the digital economy and not just the digital economy, but amongst these big platforms that dominate online is not what's happening in the rest of the global economy. And I don't think, you know, we've ever seen anything quite as stark as this in terms of the divergence between Silicon Valley and what used to be termed the real economy. You know, the real economy has gone online and we're seeing the benefit. And, you know, we'll talk about that a little bit later with Colby Smith, our our markets reporter. But to a degree, Richard, is this all that surprising? I mean, these companies have been doing well in the pandemic. They're one of the few companies that can operate outside of the lockdowns. Are we actually surprised by by what they reported? Well, yes. I mean, that's the astounding thing, I think, that even even companies operating at this scale can deliver some, I mean, what, you know, what are absolutely shocking um, surprises. So take Apple. So you have a retailer that shut down its stores across the US, its biggest market, for a long period of time this quarter. Everyone thought, you know, Apple's sales were going down. They actually went up 11%. A massive company, the world's most valuable company, has just seen its sales grow by 11% in the middle of a retail crisis. You take Amazon. Uh, Amazon, we all know, you know, has become a service that many people now rely on. But early in the quarter, they were struggling to be able to deliver. They've faced huge costs with trying to control the coronavirus problem in their own workforce. Well, they turned out to grow their revenue by 40%, nearly $90 billion in revenue, but it's growing at 40%. Their profits doubled. I mean, we expected their profits to go down. They doubled. So, you know, these are really striking and amazing numbers. And yes, they are surprising. Um, Moving on to what we see coming forward, Richard, I I mean, can we expect these companies to keep thriving the the way that they are, or will things kind of taper off for them? 
you know, as you might expect, the day after they've appeared before politicians and tried not to sound either too humble or too arrogant, none of these companies today are standing up and saying, you know, the outlook is rosy because they know how much the rest of the world is suffering. They know how much their own customers are suffering. But I would say the tone that I've heard, you know, is cautiously optimistic. I think they're all seeing improvement as the quarter's gone on. Um, they all know that, you know, we've had some terrible U.S. economic numbers. Um, the outlook in the next few weeks and months is the least certain it's been for, for a long, long time. But, you know, they've just demonstrated that they're positioned in the sweet spot of the economy, that their businesses are all performing pretty strongly, and that, as we suspected, you know, the biggest platforms are coming to dominate. Now, big tech is soaring at a time when the rest of the economy is suffering. Yesterday, we got a snapshot of how bad the pandemic has hit the world. Germany's GDP shrank a little more than 10% quarter on quarter. It's the largest decline since calculations began in 1970. To put that into context, an economist at Berenberg said the plunge had wiped out nearly 10 years of growth. And that economist said it could have been worse. As the FT's U.S. markets reporter Colby Smith points out, it wasn't just Germany. Yesterday, we got some pretty dismal economic data for the U.S. economy here, and that definitely spooked investors to a certain degree. We saw 10-year Treasury yield falling to yet another record low. It's really hovered around extremely low levels for the last few months, really, but it took another leg lower. It was in response to the fact that we got gross GDP figures, and on an annualized rate, it dropped just about 33% for the second quarter. On a quarter-by-quarter basis, that was about 9.5%, but these are some of the largest contractions that we've seen in, in the post-war history. So they're pretty stark figures. And at the same time, we got some negative jobs data as well uh, that pointed to these initial jobless claims. So claims that people submit when they've been um, laid off or, or furloughed rising for another week. And we had had a few weeks of a decline in those numbers, but they've been starting to pick up again as states and cities are having to close down their economies once more. But, you know, we're talking a lot about the U.S. side, but on the equity side, we saw a lot of reaction to other global data that came out yesterday, particularly in Germany and, and mm -hmm. elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, I mean, essentially, what we had yesterday was just confirmation about how poorly that the economic outlook is going to be for quite some time and how much damage the coronavirus outbreak is causing for countries around the world. And so when we do get these figures, and investors are ready to see them, but the, the initial shock can be sizable and, and you do see some reaction in markets. So, Kobe, we've been talking about the economy, but, but if you look at the stock market over the past four months, you might barely notice there's a global recession going on. Uh, what should we make of this gulf between markets and the real economy? It's a pretty stark difference and, and one that's raised a lot of eyebrows. It certainly has for policymakers who look at the difference in, in outcomes for financial assets and, and the real economy and wonder if enough is being done to support Main Street as opposed to Wall Street. But it comes down to action taken by the central bank and, and the Federal Reserve, who's pumped the financial system with tons of dollars and, and excess liquidity in order to make sure that financial markets are functioning. And one byproduct of that is that it's allowed 
riskier assets like equities, like corporate credit to do quite well in this environment. The Fed is starting to think and spend a bit more time on addressing some of these concerning trends that we are seeing on the economic front. But what it ultimately comes down to is if more money is going to get into the hands of more Americans. And ultimately, that's out of their control to a certain extent. So the big tech companies are doing great, even as millions of Americans are unemployed. Now comes word that corporate America is still clinging to stock buybacks. Credit Suisse found that S&P 500 companies that have already reported second quarter earnings have reduced the number of their shares by an average of a third of a percent from the previous quarter. Critics say buybacks raise share prices. After all, earnings per share potentially looks better when there are fewer shares. And most top executives are paid in stock, so it's good for them too. Google's parent company, Alphabet, spent nearly $7 billion on buybacks for the quarter, up 92% from a year ago. Microsoft bought nearly $6 billion of its own stock in the recent quarter. That's up 25% from a year earlier. But even with the latest uptick, total buybacks are expected to drop this year. The coronavirus downturn is sapping the profits companies might otherwise spend on shares. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back next week for the latest business news. And one more thing before we go, the FT's twice-weekly newsletter, Energy Source, is back. It's all things oil, gas, and green. And to mark the relaunch of Energy Source, join the FT for a discussion around profit and power in the energy industry. This is the next in a series of events looking at the new economic reality of the world in light of coronavirus and big political changes. Tune in to the talk on Wednesday, August 5th, from 12 to 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Head to the link in this podcast description to sign up. The FT News Briefing is produced by Amy Keene, Fiona Simon, and me, Mark Filipino. Our editor is Dan Bobkoff. We had help from Amelia Mahasik, Gavin Kalman, and Michael Bruning. Our theme song is by Metaphor Music. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation... Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com.